What's going on, coaches? We've now got two new episodes up on RTP Premium. Um, we've got a new episode of RTP Install where Coach Walls talks through uh, three verticals. We've also got our newest episode of Talking Ball Up. Me and Coach Walls watch and talk through uh, the LSU-Alabama game this year uh, on the LFU, LSU offensive side. So, uh, again, you guys can go be RTP Premium members on our website, runthepower.com. It's just $10 a month if you get the yearly subscription, $12 a month if you guys go monthly. Again, there's seven different series. We put out new episodes um, every month. So a lot of cool things, hopefully, that you guys can find up there. We just had our first scrimmage yesterday. Uh, went really well. We're able to keep the kids safe and let them get out there and play some football. So uh, we're really excited here. Uh, I know Coach Walls finally put some pads on. Saw some of his guys catching touchdowns as well. So we're excited to be back at football. But if you guys need anything from us, uh, go check us out at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20-33% to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now 40 caps for two thousand dollars with 10 of them for free plus 10 free so get 10 free ones as well check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by team builder team builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country whether you write your own programs have a full-time strength coach or need training programs Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a -a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team. B-U-I-L-D-R dot com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Doug Perriera. Coach Pierre is the head coach at York High School in Yorktown, Virginia. Listen as we talk with Coach about what he has learned from Navy football over the years, in addition to an in-depth conversation about the power running game in high school. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach P-E-R-E-I-R-A-22. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, hey, it's a pleasure to be on this uh, show with you guys. Uh, I only learned about you all about a month, month and a half ago when all of this uh, pandemic started. And uh, I've jumped right on board. I, I listened to a, an episode a day. Love it. Um, I, I want to thank you guys for what you're doing for high school football in general. Um, but basically, uh, I started out uh, playing uh, at Lejeune High School, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. My dad was a Marine, and uh, we were Lejeune double pups uh, back in the 80s, and I uh, enjoyed playing there, had a good playing experience. I was very average, uh, thought I could play college football, 
Uh, but that I learned pretty quickly that wasn't going to happen. And uh, so I ended up going to Liberty University and I graduated from there in 1991, got married. And but in my senior year of Liberty University, I tried a little bit of coaching uh, 1990 at a place called uh, Lynchburg Christian Academy. Now it's Liberty Christian Academy. It was uh, Jerry Falwell's high school at the time. And uh, I got to coach for a guy named Steve Lewis there. And it was, I actually got college credit for doing that uh, that season of coaching. So that's kind of where I got my feet wet a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, it was cool. But I'll tell you, going back to my high school years, what got me interested uh, was, uh, you're going to laugh, but uh, we had electric football in my neighborhood. And we had a league of 34 teams. <laughs> and um, – I had 14 of the 34. I was the commissioner, and I was that guy that everybody else was trying to beat. Uh, if, if a game was coming down to the wire at one of the houses, the neighborhood would come over to see if I was going to get beat or not. Um, and, you know, the other guys, don't get me wrong, they were good too. But that got me really interested in the strategic part of football. So uh, I guess Mike Leach had the same thing happen with him. Uh, but I got married and did not coach for a little bit. I actually got into the went into the meatpacking business with my business degree uh, for a few years. And uh, during my time there, I started really studying the game during my lunch breaks. I'd sit down. I had more books than you can imagine because this is pre-internet days, at least the internet that we know today. And so I just studied books like crazy. Um, had to learn terminologies from each one of these different coaches and what they were talking about. And then in uh, 1995, I gave it a shot to be a, a youth football head coach for two years. And I'll never forget, won my first three games, and I thought, man, this is pretty easy uh, in that first <laughs> season. And then I subsequently lost my, le- my next six, and each game got worse. Uh, so I realized pretty quick I did not know what I was doing. And uh, that was a – that was a good thing to have to go through. Uh, but 1997, I started at the high school level at a brand-new school called Bow High School in Bow, New Hampshire. Uh, that's where we were living at the time in that area. And uh, I got the feeling of what a first-year program feels like, what it looks like. Um, rough year, interesting year. Um, the next year, I went to uh, Bishop Brady High School in Concord, New Hampshire. And uh, coached under a guy named Scott LeBron, and uh, they went and won the state championship. Uh, I was a I was a JV coach on that team, but I got to go along for the ride. Uh, I got to see what real talent looked like. That team that team was pretty talented that year. Uh, they were a wing T team, so I got immersed in some of the wing T stuff back then. And then after that year, I, I had an opportunity to come. I was I had gone back to school to become a teacher, and. Uh, Moved on uh, to coach four years at a place called Kearsarge High School uh, under a guy named Dennis Hoffman. And he hired me on the spot to be the defensive coordinator. Never done defense, didn't know a thing about it. Um, and that was a perfect thing. You know, I'll never forget in the interview, he goes, well, you know what? If you want to be a, a head football coach someday, you need to learn how to coach both sides of the ball. And so we ended up on a really good run. It was only a second-year program um, at this school. And in our four years, we went to a state championship and went to a state semifinal um, during that time. And in the interview with him, I introduced him to this book I was reading about the double wing. And it was the Jerry Valentin book. Um, I think you guys actually spoke to Jerry Valentin or somebody did recently. I, saw, I heard it on one podcast. Um, and I was introducing him to it. Next thing you know, he comes to me with the Hugh Wyatt video series. And we installed that and just ran the fool out of that for four years on people. Um, uh, you know, after four years of that, my wife and I were getting tired of the cold weather in New Hampshire and started looking toward Virginia. We're both Liberty alums. And I got an opportunity to coach at Essex High School in Virginia uh, under a good friend of mine named Todd Jones. Uh, Todd is an excellent coach there. Um, he's a crazy guy in the sidelines. Uh, but you got to love his energy. Just a just an awesome guy. And um, uh, when I got there the first year in 2003, uh, they had switched from unbalanced T to wing T, and we went to the state championship that year. 
um, on a just we just went on a tear in the second half of the season. Uh, very talented team and uh, got beaten the state championship, but it was a great game. Um, so with that, I had been to three state championships in six years. And once again, I'm thinking, well, this isn't that hard. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> right now. That's nuts to think that. After that year, um, somewhat because of personnel, and, and Todd Jones at that time was watching this high school coach, had some film on this high school coach named Malzahn. I, I don't know. Malzahn something. Gus Malzahn. And he got a hold of some of the spread stuff and started incorporating the wing T concepts in the spread. And uh, my next three years with them, we once again went on some tears. I uh, went to a, a, another state semifinal before losing and uh, had some really talented crews, had a, had a lot of fun there. And I'll never forget the thing about Todd that was interesting was defensively, he calls it a bastard defense. In other words, he never had a true defensive philosophy um, in what he did. Um, he literally built his defense around personnel and what the other guys were doing each week. And if I get on the phone with him right now, he'll laugh about that. But that's what he does. And let me tell you, it's, it's, it's unorthodox, but it's pretty cool to see. And uh, we, we had some really good uh, years doing that stuff. And he's won a couple state championships. He's won a state championship since then. That team that he's with, it's a small school, Essex High School. They've, they've won a bunch of games there. Uh, when I was there, I had the privilege of teaching this kid uh, who came through for a little while, played a tiny bit of football, played a little bit of basketball, and then decided to become a singer, some dude named Chris Brown. Uh, that was kind of huh. interesting to have him in, in the class. He was a good kid back then. Uh, <laughs> Could he, so. Did he ever sing for you in class? He would put his demo tapes on in my class. Uh, <laughs> that is awesome. It. Well, I mean, you know, it sounded just like you and me singing at the time. Um, he, you know, he, he got his opportunity, and, and obviously he made the most of it. Uh, I will say this. Chris Brown could ball in basketball. That dude was a baller. Hmm. Uh, I'll give him credit for that to this day. So 2007, uh, I drive by this high school on my way to visit my aunt and uncle in Hampton, Virginia. And, uh, Looks like a nice little school. And I looked, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I wonder if that'd be a cool place to be a head coach someday. And uh, not three weeks later, uh, Todd Jones comes up to me and he goes, hey, man, so you're going to put in for the York job. I'm like, what? <laughs> and that was the school I'd driven by. And I, I couldn't believe it, but I put in for it, got the position in 2007. And uh, so here I am entering my 14th season this fall at York High School. We've been to the playoff uh, 10 times. Uh, in those 14 years, I uh, had a real good run last year. We went undefeated regular season, uh, finished the regular season number two in the state, and uh, we were eventually knocked out of the playoffs in the second round, uh, but had a, had a great run. Um, there was a school in our district. Uh, we don't have conferences. We have districts. A school in our district uh, named Lafayette High School, uh, who was just a juggernaut here. And uh, we went in uh, last year and ended a seven-year, 60-game win streak that they had in our district. Uh, going back to 2012 nice. and a great game. And, you know, I say that respectfully. Uh, the coach there, Andy Lynn, and I are friends. Um, and it became over the years one of those things, instead of, man, we're going to get them this time, we're going to get them this time. It became, I hope we're the team that beats them when they finally lose. And uh, they're, they're just a great program, and we were able to match right up with them this year, have a great game. But uh, my team had 22 seniors um, who were moving on. I have either between five and seven of them going to the same college to play football at Shenandoah University. And I've got one headed to Lewisburg Junior College this year. So we, we had a good run with that group, very special group. They'd been together since fifth grade and really earlier than that. Uh, it was just really fun to coach such a tight-knit group of guys. So that, that's kind of my history um, as to where I am now and then how I've gotten there. Uh, it's been a good run. Well, Coach, you know, now with, uh, you know, obviously having and, and changing up, being in some, some different offenses as you've, you know, had uh, your football career, what are you guys kind of special? I don't want to say specialize. What are you guys, what's your philosophy now as the head coach, uh, you know, when you guys are running your offense? 
It's a great question. I, and I think I kind of have to back up a little bit and explain what we've done to evolve to where we are. Uh, when I came in my first year, all I cared about was running Navy's flexible on offense and came in. We, we were okay that year. Um, the, the offense ran fine. Um, and after that year, I, I moved myself back to defense after one year of offense because I had a coach on my staff, Creighton Incremenius. That's, that's the name, Coach Inco, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he, he was with me from the beginning. I moved him to the offensive coordinator, and we immediately went to spread um, with a lot of option concepts and some power concepts out of it. Your, your basic spread, I will say this, Inco always wanted to have a tight end. So our, our spread almost always involved a tight end of some sort. And had had quite a quite a run with that for a lot of years, and so I and then after a couple of years, I hired his brother on defense, and I kind of took over the CEO model for a while, and enjoyed that. Um, it, it's nice to be able to walk in on a Friday with not as much pressure on you because you're not calling the plays on one side or the other, but that's also a struggle a little bit. And, <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, you know, and that, that's nothing against any of the coaches I had as my coordinators, they were fabulous, but there's still those times you're sitting there, you want to be the guy making that play call. Um, and, you know, 2016, we had everything that could possibly go wrong, went wrong. Um, we, we weren't the strongest team that year. I had some coaching turnover that happened at inopportune times, had a couple of transfers and then we had some injuries and we went one in nine and, uh, that one in nine season was one of the most important seasons of, of my coaching career in that um, what I was able to understand was the players I had that year held true to the culture. They didn't stop playing. Uh, they played their tails off. They just, we just, you know, we couldn't get over the hump. Um, but it also allowed me opportunities to push some reset buttons that I felt like needed to be pushed after that season. And so since then, we've, we've been pretty good. Um, but 2017, I wanted to add more deliberate power to the to our game, power running. Uh, I've been watching a little bit of Michigan in the early years of Harbaugh where they would just go downhill. I was watching Stanford with um, uh, McCaffrey mm -hmm. and those guys putting in, you know, seven linemen. When you put seven linemen in the game, everyone knows what you're doing. And so I, I was saying to myself, you know what, why can't we become more deliberate with our power game when we need it. And then by accident one night or one day, I came across the school. Uh, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them. School called Apopka High School. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm joking, by the way. Um, and just put their highlight film on, the 13-minute highlight film, and I, I'm sitting there with my eyes falling out of my head uh, watching them in the single wing. And I started looking into that, got a hold of Darlington stuff. Um, and so 2017, we started incorporating single wing into our short yardage goal line packages. And we, to keep it separate from our regular offense, <laughs> we used NFL uh, nicknames for our plays. So like Steelers was sweep, <laughs> Panthers was power. You know, we kept it as simple as possible. And I'd practice it the first 10 minutes of practice every day. And so we called that package NFL. And so you'd hear us on the sideline, you'd hear Coach Inkle look at me, he goes, hey, go NFL for this. And we'd yell NFL and we'd had our package go in. And it was actually really good for us. It worked well. And in 2018, we kind of added a little bit more to it. And then uh, 2019, Coach Inko, um got the head coaching job at his alma mater, Bethel High School. Also the home of Mr. Uh, Allen Iverson. He used to coach Iverson back in the day. Oh, and, that had to have been a that had to have been a pretty uh, easy few years with <laughs> Iverson at quarterback. So I'll tell one quick thing that coach used to tell me about their their coach. There was a pretty legendary guy uh, named uh, Coach Kozlowski. Uh, he's pretty legendary in the state of Virginia. And uh, Iverson was the best player on the field. No hands, you know, no, no doubt about it. He was a better football player than basketball player. A lot of people claimed. That is that is probably true. Um, you know, you snap him the ball in the gun, he'd run around, dance around, either run it all the way or he'd throw it. But there was one time uh, Coach Kozlowski, old school dude, calls a play. Iverson walks into the huddle and changes the play. 
and uh, comes out of the huddle, runs the ball, does his, does his song and dance, and scores from like 60 yards out, comes to the sideline. And uh, Coach Kozlowski's like, you know, that's not the play we called. And uh, Iverson goes, Coach, I scored. And there's not much you can say about that. So, uh, you know. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> kind of how things went with him. Well, anyway, Coach Inko got the job at Bethel. He's getting that program turned around. It, it needs to be. Um, and when he left, I came right back. As, I, I made myself OC immediately and immediately told my staff and my players, guys, we're going – it's not going to be called NFL anymore. We're going single way, and we're going to use some spread principles uh, – off to the side of the single wing, um, some balance spread, but we're, we're going to be a downhill in your face single wing team from here on out. And ended up, like I said, we had the undefeated regular season with that. Coach, when you're, you know, you decided to go to the, the single wing, you know, what's kind of the stuff, you know, you started to, to hang your hat on. I mean, did you guys just all, you know, an all down block team, all gap, you know, are you, are you a wedge team? I mean, I know there's kind of a, a few directions you can go inside the single wing, but, you know, what were kind of some of the most basic things that you guys really said, hey, here's what we're going to do, and, and this is kind of, kind of what we are, and, and, and here we go? Um, it's a great question because there's a lot of things, a lot of different ways you can run the single way. Um, and what we did, we went basically with Darlington's Apopka system, um, and we went with the idea we're not going to get – we're not going to do a whole lot of misdirection stuff early on. Uh, we're going to be more, uh, more power downhill centered. In other words, we're just going to we're going to snap it to the guy that's going to run the football, and we're going to have more guys at the point of attack than everybody else. And so, you know, with that single wing, you get your five basic plays. You got your your buck sweep. Um, you got your power. You got your ISO. You got your counter to the backside with a wing back. Um, you know, and then and those are the four. And then. I guess you could count the wedge as, as one of them, but really we don't run the wedge enough to call it one of our five base plays. Um, basically, th there's two ways to run the counter backside. You know, you can either cut it up inside or you can take it wide. Uh, those are kind of become our – kind of becomes our fifth best play, that, that wide one. Um, but, you know, we do hang our hat on the idea of, uh, you know, power is power. Um, but the great thing about power is my quarterback slash we're going to call him fullback in our offense. Uh, he's an extra guy going through. So we're kicking out with the blocking back and we're still pulling with the backside guard. We're, we're railroading the whole front side. In other words, everybody let's go. We're taking everybody backside. That guard's got to get downhill as fast as possible. But my fullback is going to lead through and pick up whatever shows up. And then the tailback's catching the snap and going. So we've got, you know, 10 blockers. Uh, that's what I love about it. Coach, you, you mentioned with counter kind of having a tight and a, and a wide, you mm -hmm. know, with that counter. Is, are those two separate plays that you're calling, or is that just depending on uh, what your guard does to the end on the kickout? It's, it's all about the end and if there's any other force player out there. Uh, we, we, want to, we want to be able to run it up inside. Um, but if they overload and, and some teams completely overload the weak side, I, I'm actually, you know, I've only done this one full year. I'm actually still surprised at how some teams are lining up to us. Um, and, and how some teams are just running their base, like a base four, three, you know, I figured I'd be seeing nine, 10 in the box. And that's, that's not happening as much as I thought it would, but going back to what you're asking, that, that counter, if we can if we can kick out and pull up inside, we're doing it. And understand, I'm bringing three guys. I'm bringing the backside guard. I'm bringing the blocking back. And I'm bringing the backside. We call them the outside tackle. So you got an outside and inside tackle. Uh, I don't ever cover up a tight end. So we're truly unbalanced three for three linemen to the strong side. So I'm bringing three. And – if we're going up inside, it's because we know we can kick out that DN, and either the outside backer out there is not going to bother us, or he's not there in the first place. Um, if we're having trouble getting up inside, then I have a couple of alterations I can do, but it's the same play. We're just going wide. So all three linemen are pulling around, but what I'll do, I'll take the tailback and jam, I'll slam that tight end. Um, you know, 
right from the backfield. He, he, he not not tight end. He has to hit that defensive end. And what that does, it, it you know, it allows us the opportunity to get around him and just take the play wider. So that's really the two ways we run it. Coach, are you guys doing any stuff, you know, where you're you're like kind of, you know, dummy pulling, knowing you have so many blockers, you know, you might have a, a G pull one way, but then you're running the play the other direction. I know, are you, I know you'd said you're not uh, huge on, you know, misdirection, but are there some things that you'll do to maybe mess with some linebacker keys and things like that? So I'll say this real quick, that misdirection is going to have to happen going forward. We're, we're, we're adding more of it this year. We just didn't quite need a whole lot of it yet. But, yes, we, we have a little bit of the dummy pulls. Um, we don't do enough of it yet. Uh, so let me say this this way, Coach. If you're, if you're winning games and, and you're, you're getting the yards you need to and you're downhill and people, mm-hmm. why, right? Exactly. Why, why do it? Um, but I, I know we're going to have to start adding more of that. Um, we, we do have one player where it looks like we're doing the double handoff counter and the tailback keeps it. And I do have a guard. My, my, my strong side guard pulls weak. My, my inside tackle, the guy right next to him, pulls strong, which is crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it works, and it allows us to attack outside once in a while. Um, we're going to have to get better at that and, and practice that more going forward, I know. I know that was, you know, because we'd played a team like that. There's a couple of teams in Iowa that, that'll still run it, and we'll actually have to play one of them th- this next year. But, you know, we, we'd actually done a pretty good job of, of shutting them down. And, and I know they'd kind of clinicked with our defensive staff, you know, f- for a while. I mean, we're, we were able to score a lot of points against them, so we weren't too worried about it. You know, offensively, we could, we could do a lot of damage. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd kind of said the same thing. It was like, you know, you, you had a lot of tells with – you know, where you're pulling and where you're going. And then when we played them the next year, they, they rushed for a lot of yards against us, you know, had a really good tailback and, and, you know, could, could get him the ball in the single wing and, and do some things. But, you know, by, by kind of changing up their, their reads and changing up the way they pulled things and, you know, almost kind of like some bash scheme and things like that, it, mm-hmm. it became really difficult to stop. So I know, you know, they, they'd made some adjustments kind of based on what we'd done, but it, it's some cool, cool scheme stuff. And I tell you what, it, if you got teams that, that can attack, you know, like you're saying, you have five different schemes that attack all the way across the front, and then you have a couple of, of really good tendency breakers, it's it's a bear to prepare for. I know that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I got to speak at the uh, single wing conclave in Pennsylvania uh, back in March. It was like a week and a half before this whole shutdown happened. Uh, so we were fortunate to be able to get over there to do that. And, um, you know, I got to meet one of the coaches from Iowa, uh, winning his coach in the state, and got to see some of his stuff and how he does things. But you're right. And, and you know, people ask me, so what do you what do you look for when you're, you know, going to attack a defense? Um, <laughs> it's going to sound as elementary as possible, as youth football as possible. Where's the bubble? I'm finding the bubble, and I'm attacking that. Uh, I am not one of those guys – uh, and maybe it's to a fault. You know, some of those teams that are out there will run power 26 times in a row if they can. Um, you know, like those old double wing teams running that off tackle power 25, 26 times in a row because it's not being stopped. I can't live with myself and do that because I'm afraid that it's going to finally get stopped and and then we got to go do something else. I like to bounce around, you know, go back and forth from the weak side to the strong side. Um, and keep the defense on its toes more than, uh, you know, just attacking the same spot. But the thing I love so much about the single wing, I I never realized until I was in it that a a tight offense like this has so much flexibility, so many things you can do with it. And, uh, you know, I I just love the fact that it feels like there's an answer to everything um, that, that you have, you know, unless the other team is, is that much better, there, there's always an answer. So coach, um, my kind of, you know, what piques my interest is, is, uh, you know, you talked about buck, uh, which, you know, to me going through kind of air raid in college and, and being more of a, um, you know, not traditional, what you'd think of as buck is, is had always kind of thought of it as more, you know, for me, pin and pull, 
um, with the things that I've been in has been more of a, of a pin and pull style. But what I would say is I would assume similar to buck sweep. How do you guys, how are you guys blocking uh, buck sweep? Kind of what are just your kind of general rules? Uh, because I think that, that at least, you know, for us, when we get in, when we're in gun, we're in 11, I love being able to pull guys. And, and I know it may not technically be buck, but I, I like that idea of being able to pull our guards or sometimes pull our tackles and, and uh, you know, add gaps. But for us, kind of a wider play for us. What's what's uh, maybe your definition for me for buck? And then how are you guys running it? Um. I'm going to say it this way, your old school wing tee buck sweep, this is going to be different. It is going to go wider. Um, the, the blocking rules are definitely different. So, I don't know, call it the sweep. But, um, and I, I'm not, you know, this is Apopka's stuff, so I, I'm not reinventing anything here. It's, but in my opinion, it's pretty unique. Um, so, the outside tackle, all right, first of all, we, we line up in a single wing variation where we, we don't have two tight ends. Uh, on the strong side, I flex my guy about three yards out, four yards out. Uh, some people call that the nasty formation, whatever. So my wingback's on the inside, and my, my receiver's flexed out a little bit. And so the way we run it, that, that X receiver um, has got a down block, crack block on the inside backer. Uh, what makes this offense unique or this play unique is the tackle. The outside tackle is not blocking down. He's reaching the, the defensive end is typically a defensive end or somebody sitting right outside of him. He's going to reach that guy and get help from the wingback. So they're going to double team that guy inside tackle always ends up with a guy somewhere on him. So he stays. Um, and then the next most important thing to talk about, really the most important thing, the blocking back is the kick out. And he's either going to, he has to release parallel to the line of scrimmage. Um, and he's, he's looking for the force player. That's the guy we're kicking. And if you can't kick him, then obviously he's trying to log him. And so then we teach uh, both guards to pull and read the block and back's block. If he kicks, you're pulling up inside. If he logs, you're trying to go around him. Uh, once again, my extra player is the fullback. And he's going to also read the block and back's block. And he's trying to get to the corner. He's trying to take the corner out, take him back to his coach on the sideline. And the tailback is reading that blocking back block to either pull up or get around the end. I'd say it's 50-50 as to what we ultimately end up seeing. And it also depends on who I have at tailback. Um, so some are better around the end. Some are better cutting it up inside. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. But that's kind of how we do that. Coach, you know, you, you talk about, again, all the different schemes you guys have. And, and I've always wondered, I guess, I've never had a chance to really ask anyone, you know, when you, you think about kind of your own self-scout, you know, how often you run your plays and, and maybe kind of your tendencies, is that something you put a lot of, you know, credence into or is it something that you really don't worry much about because you're like, hey, I've got, I've got my handful, four, five, six different plays and, and I'm always going to kind of be adjusting based on, you know, defensive alignment or slanting or, or where the numbers are at is – is that something that you do take a look at to know some of your tendencies or you're not as worried about it, knowing that you kind of have built-in, quote, you know, answers within kind of your series of plays? Not as worried about it, but that might be because of my lack of experience being a head uh, – I mean, uh, being an offense coordinator. Um, I, I'm kind of a feel-it guy. Uh, during a game, I, I kind, of, kind of am out there feeling what's happening throughout the game, feeling what I can hit, what I, what I can't call. I will sometimes call things knowing they might not work great because it's setting something else up, um, you know. And then, and then we do some of the basics. You know, every time the line comes off the field, we always ask them, where are they? Are they moving on us? Are they, are they sitting in a different gap? Oh, okay, you know, that's where they are now. And, like, when we run our ISO, for instance, that's one of our best plays. Um, you know, it's either ISO where there's going to be some misdirection action in the backfield or the tailback's just going to catch and go downhill. But we have our blocking back call the gap. Um, you know, the best looking gap, he calls it and we just follow him through. Um, so, I, the self scout thing, you can either say, I don't know what I'm doing about it yet. I'm not good enough at it, or it's really, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's, it takes care of itself, um, with the offense. And my other question is, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of experience, you know, not with with single wing, but, you know, I used to to sit in the box and, and I, I took a year off from coaching, but every now and again, I'd, I'd just kind of be a spotter. 
and and our our coach in South Dakota was running, you know, the the old school wing T. And uh, he basically would just tell me, he's like, Walls, I just want to know who's making the tackle. So literally, I, I'd just be sitting up there and I'd just let him know, hey, that was the Mike linebacker. Hey, that was the defensive end. And then he'd kind of know, you know, what play to call off of it if, if he, you know, was noticing a tendency like, man, we're not blocking the mic or whatever it might be. You know, I didn't, I didn't know all the intricacies of it. I know it was just easy for me to sit there and look at, you know, all right, who's, who's tackling the guy. But is, is that something, you know, do you have kind of a plan for, you know, the, the guy or the eyes in the sky? Do you not worry so much about it? But, you know, knowing that to kind of have that information, you know, hey, it's the backside linebacker, he's flowing hard, run counter, things like that. What are some things you're having your box guys look at? Or maybe it's your, you know, O-line guys or whoever on the field. Hey, before I answer that, I have a question for you. Was it you or the guy you were interviewing the other day that was talking about the same thing and talking about how the coach one night ran everything to his sideline? Um, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't me. It was one of the guys we had on. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, because the crown was so big on the field? Yeah, yes, yeah. Right. So now that's proof I've been listening to y'all. <laughs> but um, – <laughs> and, and, I, and I heard you up there. I heard, I heard y'all talking about that, you know, who, who's making the tackle. That's impressive to me <laughs> that a coach can just base everything off of who's making the tackle. Um, the, the guy I have in the booth is my JV head coach. And uh, he is a great guy to have up there because he, he – he toys around with his offense every much as every much every bit as much as I do, and kind of knows the intricacies of it. So he'll be the guy that can call down and tell me, you know, hey, counter is is not inside. You got to go wide, or hey, you got power now and and hit it and hit it a few times. You know that sort of thing. It helps to have somebody up there that kind of has the same type of eyes that I have. But I'll tell you guys something. Um, you know, once again, I haven't done the OC thing in years. And so I had to kind of make up my own way for how I'm going to do a script to start a game. And um, we, were, we had some talent this year in the skill positions. And it kind of morphed into this as the season progressed. But I would do a 12-play script, um, hit the big five plays uh, during that 12-play script. But then what I did, uh, on the back side of my script, I had questions for each one of those plays. So, you know, do we have the, the counter inside? Uh, which, which gap looks best for uh, ISO right now? Do we have ISO? You know, blah, 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 all, all that kind of stuff. And my entire staff would be given, my entire offensive staff would be given a copy of that. And they would fill that in during the 12 plays. And then he'd come to me after the 12 plays and be like, all right, coach, here's your answers. And that helped me. You know, and the guy up in the booth was doing it, too. And, and that really helped me to understand, okay, so we're all kind of seeing the same thing. All right, you know, now the play action passes. What, what do we have right now with play action, that sort of thing. But as the season progressed, um, uh, you know, every one of my skill guys and, and even a couple of guys deep in, as substitutes were just really good players. And I started building my script where in the 12 plays, I called it my big five. And really, it morphed into Big Seven. Seven different players had touched the football in the first 12 plays. And so what was happening was, you know, the defenses not only were seeing different stuff coming at them, they were seeing different guys. Um, you know, and the only guy I never counted was my fullback I, I, because he was going to touch the ball every, just about every play anyway. So it was going to naturally work in his, in his way anyway. But – what would happen would be after the 12, I, I literally, in my script, you would see me write a play, the play name, and then next to it in parentheses, I put the kid's name. You know, uh, all right, Jaden, Jaden's got this, this run. Okay, all right, we're giving this one to Luke. And I, I wanted to guarantee that those seven guys, five to seven guys touched the football in the first 12. That was nice to be able to do that. I think that's such, again, an underrated thing. You know, people talk about, quote, balance, you know, and I know Coach Leach has talked a lot about it. You know, if it's, is it 50-50 run and pass? No, not necessarily. I mean, to truly be able to force people to defend everybody or everything or the whole field, you have to use everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people that run a spread offense, but their quarterback rushes for 2,000 yards and, and very few times do other guys touch it, you know? So yep. I think that's so cool that you have it built in, you know, those design touches, you know, I, we throw the ball a little bit more at, at Ankeny and, and it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. We have some primary receivers, 
but I, I want to make sure that, you know, our third and fourth receiver are guys that you have to cover and you have to account for. So now, I mean, it, as, a, as a defensive coordinator, it's not something where I can, I can key in on B-gap or I can key in on Jalen. You know, I, I have to be able to defend all these things. It makes it way, way harder to prepare for and defend. And that's really how the offense is built. I mean, come on. It's a quarterbackless offense. So would that be in the case, it should be natural that multiple guys are touching the football in, in multiple ways. And, and the crazy thing that we really had happen this year, this, the biggest shocker to me as, as part of our success was my quarterback fullback. Um, uh, you know, I love this kid to death. He's a football player before anything else. In other words, he could play multiple positions. Uh, we passed the ball 113 times this year, completed 49. He had 22 touchdown passes. Okay. And, and, you know, a lot of that was our play action. But, I mean, we weren't fooling anybody. You know, sometimes we'd line him up at the tailback because we were running what looked like our sweep and we'd throw it. Come on, man. I mean, when we switch him to that position, people should know what's going on. And they will probably – well, they would next year if he was still playing for us. But, um, you know, and we did have a little bit of balance spread where we ran – I ran exactly two air raid principles, your shallow and your cross. That was the only two we ran all year. I never even switched directions. I always ran it from the same side every time, the same four receivers every time. I mean, uh, probably seven or eight of his 22 touchdowns came off of those. and. You know, that that was really what was cool about this was, once again, multiple players, multiple run plays, but, oh, oh by the way, we can throw the ball a little bit. And uh, devastating for some teams. Is that something then, because it was, uh, you know, you did try to keep it, obviously, you've got a, a heavy run game, but you've got to be able to throw the ball. Is that something that you're just trying to find the easiest way to, to teach that to your guys so it can be a threat, but still you're not, like I said, you know, you're not taking all of this time to put in these these uh, two concepts? Yep. And let me tell you, I, I'm not a pass guru. I'm just not. Um, I, my whole game is how can I fool somebody to, to run a great play action? And we were average at the play action, man. We're, we're not great at it yet. But still, how can I make a play look like this and then do something else with it? But the, the, the two air raid plays, I got them off of Coach Tube, man. And I was like, these things look good. Let's teach the fool out of these. And, you know, and the, court, the, the coach on, on the video kept just saying, throw the grass, throw the grass, throw the grass. I don't know how many times I told my boy Luke last year, hey, find the grass and throw it. I don't care what coverage you're in. I don't care this, that, or the other thing. You're going you're gonna to be able to look out there and have an idea who's going to be open and make it happen. And that's what we did. I think that's such an, an, an over or, or underrated way to look at the pass game. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Coach Walls has some, some different ways that, that he, you know, accelerates it for, for quarterbacks. And, and, but I just think that it just makes so much sense, you know, to be able to read space and, and um, be able to read that open area as opposed to, you know, at times trying to read a certain defender. And then if this guy goes here, then you got to read another certain defender. And then, um, you know, and then like Coach Walls always says, now that defender, you know, you've, you've told the quarterback to look for him to either do one of two things. And now he's doing a fourth thing because he's not good or he's thinking or whatever it is. And now your quarterback has no idea. And to me, it's just so much simpler to be able to read that space, read that area. Is it open? Let's throw it there. Well, you know, when, when Coach Inko was the offensive coordinator, Coach Inko is the most knowledgeable coach I've ever dealt with. This guy knows the game like the back of his hand, and, and he studies it like there's no tomorrow. The amount of film time he puts in rivals anybody in this country, um, partly because of the job he has and the hours he was able to do it. But he really went crazy with, with the passing stuff. He was very good at what he did, and a lot of it was just so far beyond me. And, you know, I, he'd explain his thing to me and then this and that and the other thing. I would get it. Well, see, 2011, we had a quarterback. We went undefeated regular season that year. We had a quarterback named Alex Johnston who uh, was so good at just walking up, seeing the defense, knowing what he's going to do, that we actually created a script. And the script, all it would have would be 
one to 22 formations. And then there was three plays for each formation that was listed. All we would do was call between one and 22, give the formation to them. And Alice would walk up to the line, see what was there, and then call one of those three plays himself. And he was excellent. And, you know, we chucked the ball over the field that year. We ran the ball over the field. We did really well. What I found and what frustrated me later was it was hard to find a quarterback that could match that. And that's where over time for me personally, it just started becoming a scenario of I don't want to be quarterback centered anymore. I would much rather be, you know, team centered, whatever you want to call it, scheme centered as opposed to quarterback centered. And that's kind of where I morphed over time. Yeah, sometimes it could be a little bit difficult, you know, when you kind of get, you know, QB driven in those years when you have really good quarterbacks, you know, the the system that you've you've maybe had a lot of success, you know, it kind of goes out the window because you kind of get spoiled because, you know, like you said, you'd kind of, you know, you'd kind of turned over the keys to the, to the QB mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now you, you don't have that guy. And, and, you know, maybe you've worked to develop some other guys, but they just don't have that same kind of grasp. It makes it a little bit more difficult now to kind of, kind of hand those guys the reins and, and go off and do it. Whereas now what you're saying, you know, this is, this is something that probably has more life. And then, Hey, those years that, you know, a good quarterback does show up, yeah, hey, we're already a power run team, but now we can do some more of those things. Like you're saying, maybe, you know, you, you do a little bit more in the air raid or a little bit more in the spread because now you have that guy. Right, you know, and, and we, we we got pretty heavy with the RPOs for a while, and I would joke with Coach Inko that it's turning into more of a PRO system than an RPO system. Um, but, you know, it, it, the RPO thing is amazing. And, you know, and you can actually do it out of single wing, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing when it works, uh, but it also, you know, you get third and one, you call power, kid's got the RPO call, and he's chucking the ball, and he's throwing an incomplete pass. I want to pull my hair out of my head, and <laughs> that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, dude, we have something for third and one. We can, we can handle this, you know, and, you know, there's nothing against the kid. That, that's the play, and, and, and he probably read the play right, but it didn't end the way it should have ended. Um, so, you know, that, that was always, uh, tough for me when I wasn't <laughs> calling the plays. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take that RPO tag off there, coach. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want, <laughs> it, it, it got interesting at times. Coach, coach Inkle is such an awesome coach, but we, we had our moments where I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's a lot bigger than me. So I, I had to be careful with how much I said to him. But uh, <laughs> he's a he's a big man. But uh, but anyway, you know that's kind of um, you know the situation with that. And so when we started incorporating the single wing stuff, the third and one kind of became more automatic that we were going to put them in uh, when we were still a spread team. So and I'll tell you, you know, uh, it, it's interesting in the 14 years I've been at York. You know, it, it, the culture thing. It, our coaches, especially right now all these podcasts we can hear about culture till we're blue in the face um and you know one coach one coach will tell you culture is you know how you do this or that or the other thing another coach is no culture is what you are okay I-, I can tell you we have one saying uh that we say at the end of every single practice every single game and it's um i'll yell practice and, this, and the team yells like a champion and i yell prepare and then compete and then live and we we just talk about those elements, practice, prepare, compete, and live. If you do all those things like a champion does, then, you know, you should be doing things the right way. And, and we, we try to really use that to promote the family atmosphere with our team. But I'll tell you, in the 14 years, culture is something that it constantly evolves. That's my opinion on that. And, you know, it, it, everyone has kind of a culture with what they're doing and, and how they go about things. But you kind of have to put it in check once in a while and make sure it's still working or make sure it doesn't need to evolve a little bit differently and change a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept, and it's extremely important to the game of football. Uh, I had a coach I was talking to on the phone last night, 
and he, he's struggling with a second year program or a second year in a program that he's head coaching. And um, I could hear his frustration. I said, man, it takes at least three years as a head coach really for that team to be your team. And you kind of have to allow things to come together, but you got to push things the way that you want them to be. You know, it's got to be your team, your, your program. And, uh, you know, he was listening and then hopefully he'll understand that. But I've said that for coaches in every sport. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. To me, it takes three years. Well, coach it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I've definitely, I, I think that, you know, like you said, it changes every year and, and it probably also depends on that first year you get there, what type of kids you, you probably have as seniors. You know, if, if you've got an unbelievable senior group that, uh, you know, is, is all in and, and easily bought in, it's probably a little bit sooner to, to kind of get your culture, or, you know, whatever buzzword you want to use in there. But if you've got a bunch of young kids and a couple of seniors that um, have been wronged for a few years or feel, you know, whatever type of way, uh, then it can definitely take much longer for it to seep through, you know, your entire program, especially at the high school level, which is, is to me the tough part is, you know, those college coaches that come in, they can come in and, and easily cut out the kids that won't buy into them. Um, yep. And, and, you know, let these other kids come up and, and promote the kids that have bought in and that helps the team buy in a lot quicker and easier where at high school, I mean, you don't want to cut any of these kids. We're, we're kind of here to help the kids, but mm-hmm. also you want your team to be great. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a tough situation to be put in uh, depending on, you know, kind of what that senior group or junior group uh, is like when you come into it. Yeah. That's one of the beauties of coaching high school football is I say it every year, every single team is different from the next. And I tell every senior class upcoming, this is your group. It's yours to make what it is, what, you know, what you're going to make of it. And, you know, this uh, senior class that just left me um, was extremely close. And I was concerned as they were coming through to their senior year that maybe they would kind of leave the other three classes alone and, you know, just kind of isolate themselves from the rest. And they did, they did the exact opposite. Um, they really welcomed everybody else in and just made a, a one, one big family type of thing. One of the greatest things is, you know, when, when you're winning games especially, is to have uh, your seniors come off the field after scoring a touchdown telling you, hey, Troy's got to get one. Coach, you got to get Troy one. Hey, you gotta, hey we got to get Keiston one. we got to get Luke one, man. Hey, I got my touchdowns. you got to get him one now. That, you can't beat when you hear that. And, you know, it was funny. I mean, we're in a game at the end of the season against another undefeated team. Uh, I mean, that game's right down to the wire. And um, uh, the winner is the, the district champion. And we're taking this team on. And, and my boy, Jaden, he comes up, hey, like, we got to get, you know, we got to get Luke a touchdown or whatever. And I'm like, hey, Jaden, how about we just score? I don't care how. Let's just make sure we're still scoring. <laughs> just win, dude. <laughs> He's worried more about who's going to get the next one than he is about who's going to win the game at that point. It's crazy. And, you know, that's when you know, okay, the culture's in the right place right now. It's in the right direction right now. So it, it was fun. Well, Coach, you, you mentioned, you know, you kind of have to, you know, you had mentioned the way you'd put it, you kind of have to check your culture each year or each couple of years because it does change so often. You got to look at, okay, do, you know, is this working? Is this what I want? I'm kind of curious. Um, how do you how do you kind of check your your culture? I mean, is that not how do you check? But what are some things that you're looking at? Is that something at the end of the year you have a big meeting with your staff? Is that something that you're constantly looking and thinking about? Is that something that that you know you look at and, and it depends on wins losses? How how, do, how are you personally you know checking your team's culture at the end of every year every so every few years? It's a great question. Uh, it's an off season thing for me. Um, I, I spend a lot of time during the off season, not necessarily dealing with X's and O's. Um, I'm dealing way more in, all right, who do we have returning? Who do we need to worry about, you know, maybe getting, you know, on board with us, with the culture? Um, what kind of culture do we think we're going to have? And then I, I'm one of those guys. I spend a lot of time, like, I, I love going to clinic sessions when they talk about 
practice planning and practice scheduling. You know, are, are, we, are we as efficient as we can possibly be? So th those two things I spend a lot of time on um, during the off season. I do meet with my staff after the season. We do talk about it some. I do hear from them what they think in certain things. Um, uh, you know, and then I, I get my rising seniors and sit down with them and start to talk with them. Okay, what do you all think about this year? I, I'll tell you something. Th this past season, for years, we did a uh, always did a pregame meal the day of the game because I'd want them there early. You know, I knew what they were eating um, and could kind of pay attention to what they're doing. This rising senior class came up to me in the spring. They're like, Coach, can we please? in the afternoon, go home, eat our own food and come back, you know, at this time. And I was like, yeah, so here's the thing. I'll do that this year. We'll try it. And I said, but you must be in the room. Everybody's sitting in the room at this exact time or earlier. If you show up a minute late, you know, you don't start or you don't play or, or whatever the situation is. Um, we had to deal with a little bit of that early, but I let the guys have their time and that was a game changer this past year for that group. Um, you know, so you, you kind of let, you got to hear what the kids want. And I'm not saying you're buying everything they're doing. Some of their stuff's crazy, but that wasn't really that crazy. And I was like, you know what, why not? Let's try to see what happens. And it, and it was awesome this past year with that situation. I think you learned so much from the kids too. You know, you have that, that next crop of guys and, you know, a lot of times you can maybe figure out some of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, you find a couple of kids that you trust or they trust you and you could kind of, you know, have a conversation with like, hey, who, who's on the fence? You know, who, mm -hmm. who's not having a good time or who's having problems, you know, at home or who's having problems at school or, and whatever that might be. I think you get so much good information, whereas, you know, I think a lot of times kids get in the mode, you know, at least I knew when I was in Oklahoma, it was a lot of yes, sir, yes, sir. They just kind of say it all the time, you know, because you know, they didn't want to have to talk about something. And then, you know, obviously behind your back and with their buddies, they're going to say something. So, yep. you know, being open to listening to kids, I think when they knew, you know, you were going to be open and listen to them and do some of those things, it pays dividends down the, the road because now those guys are like, hey, man, coach, coach gets it. He gave us a little bit of this freedom. And, you know, he, he had that discipline. And then later on when you kind of need some information from them, they trust you and they'll, they'll give you and they'll shoot you that straight. Definitely. And – it was nice, I hate to say it this way, but it was nice to have the kids early in the season screw up because, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of them was one of my key, one of my big five. And he, he came late. It, it, it wasn't anything bad. He just timed it wrong, uh, showed up a minute and a half late. I told him he wasn't starting. And everyone realized immediately, okay, so he's giving us this leverage here, but we can't fool around. And that, that really helped uh, quite a bit. And then the, the trust factor came back into play real fast with that. And, you know, I talked to the kid after the game. I said, you all right? And he goes, oh, yeah, I deserved it. I'm like, okay. That's all I care about, man. So. Well, cool. you know, that's, that's huge, you know, for him to be a kid that's, that's mature enough to understand it and to, you know, um, uh, you know understand it and, and, and move on from it. Yep, absolutely. One of my best leaders this year. Well, coach, we're we're rolling up now, kind of on an hour. Uh, but before we let before we let you go, uh, question I always like to ask everybody: You're watching another team's offensive line. What's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Love the question. I've heard all the answers. Um, for me, I'll, I'll tell you right now: uh, you know, a good double team, a good kick out, all that kind of stuff. That's to be expected, in my opinion. The O line thing that catches my eye is how do they attack second and third level? When they get down the field, are they still playing? Are they going, you know, when that guy pulls and guts up, is he going to light somebody up? And, you know, or like let's say you have a, a, a sweet play going off the, you know, the right side, back side of the line, are they sprinting across the field to get that touchdown block? Those linemen that work down the field um, and play to the whistle scare the fool out of me. And, you know, as a coach watching somebody else's team. You know, I try to preach it like crazy with my guys. Um, Y'all remember back Orlando Pace at Ohio State? Mm -hmm. you, remember, you remember that game? I don't remember who they were playing, but I'll never forget that game where he made a finishing off block 35 yards downfield 
for the guy to make his final cut and, and go in the end zone. And, you know, that he was in line for the Heisman Trophy that year. I'm talking Orlando Pace was. And that stuck to me forever. You know, giant lineman, 35 yards downfield, making another block. That was amazing. So linemen who hustle their tails off to the whistle are frightening, in my opinion. Couldn't agree with you more, Coach. That It says a lot about their coach because you know that if, if guys are ever loafing in practice and guys aren't doing that stuff in, in games, you know, that, that's being taught and that's being, you know, coached up and, and that's the, the absolute expectation. So couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Coach, man, uh, appreciate you coming on. It's always fun to, to talk to guys that, that love to, to pound the rock and, and sounds like you found a pretty cool, you know, niche with some of the single wing stuff. So uh, we're excited to see how it works out for you guys as you move forward. Excellent. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, once again, appreciate greatly being on here. Hey, you can find us if you want. We did make the national news this past year. I had a guy named, if you Google Cheer Dad, uh, we had a guy in the stands cheering along with his daughter on the field, which is really cool. But he ended up getting on uh, the show, uh, one of the morning shows, a couple of the morning shows and everything, uh, the GMC and all, or GMA and all that kind of stuff. It was cool. So we did make it nationally for something this year. It was pretty fun. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.